last chapter of this small little letter that Paul wrote to these people who lived in this Roman colony of Philippi. And as we started this series, we talked about how I know for me in my life, I've got this list of all these things I'm involved in, all these things that I do. I've got my work life and all those thoughts that I have about work. That's included because we spend time thinking and planning. That's included. So I've got my work life, those, the thinking about work and time spent doing work. Um, and then added to that, you've got family time and the time spent thinking about family and all of these things, they, they add up, right? And I've got this list of things that I have in my life. I also like to include sleep, which I didn't get any last night, maybe two hours, I don't know. But, it, but I love sleep. I enjoy sleep and that's important to me. I like to get me about eight hours a night. And when I add all the things together that I'm involved in or that I do... And then, oh, but wait, but don't forget, I have this relationship with Jesus as well. So I've got those things. But isn't that how it often works? We kind of take that relationship with Jesus and we tag it in to this long list of things that are important to us. And we say, and oh yes, I've got this relationship with Jesus. And we just kind of include it. And we just kind of throw it in. What does that say about us? When that's the way that we live, we have these things that are important to us, really important to us, and then, oh yes, we have this relationship with Jesus. What do we think is really important if that's kind of the way that we approach it? So we would say, Harley, yes, I believe that my relationship with Jesus is important. Yes, I do believe that. It is important. But then do we really live our lives as if that is important? And so we use this phrase every week of this series. We said to believe and not to do is to not really believe. To say that we believe something but it does not impact or change our day-to-day -day life is to not really believe something. So... Jesus kind of says that same thing. He puts it this way in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 46. He says, so, now this is Jesus speaking. So why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? <laughs> Interesting question, right? And then he gets a little more harsh in Matthew, chapter 10. He says this, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Ouch. That stings, right? But it gets worse. Parents, listen to this. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Verse 38, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. Verse 39, if you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, for me, you will find it. Wow. All of those phrases, they sting, don't they? You see, Paul wrote in the New Testament, he wrote most of the New Testament, not all of it, but most of it, and nowhere in his writings do we find him talking about someone who is saved, but yet not living a transformed, a changed life. Oh, that's interesting, right? Nowhere, we just don't find it in the New Testament. You see, that's kind of an Americanized Christianity where we say we believe, but it does not impact our lives, our day-to-day -day life. 
And you don't find that in the New Testament. Interesting. Very interesting. Paul wrote as if being a follower of Jesus meant that you were daily being transformed by Jesus. Not some label that you apply. Oh yes, they're Jews, they're Muslims, and I'm a Christian. Not a label. He said it's something something that means there's something going on inside of your life all the time with your relationship with Jesus, moment by moment by moment, not a label. Now, with all of that in mind, the very first week of this series, we said this, if you will do some small things that we're going to be talking about in this series, they will make a big difference in your life, a huge difference. And so he said, let's start with the end in mind. So he said, you know what? If, if we could develop this attitude, this, this, this way of thinking that Paul has, here's what Paul said. He said, for me to live is Christ, meaning everything, everything about my life and my living is infused with Jesus. Something about Jesus infuses every part of my life. And we said, that's the big difference that God wants to make in our lives, where he is infused in everything you do. So here's what we said that very first week. We said, we need to learn to live the life of our future with Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have a future with Jesus. We said, we need to live that life of our future with Jesus in the present right now. That's what we said the first week. We need to live our day-to-day life as if we were already in that future with Jesus. Live that relationship every day right now. So we said, how do we get to that point where to live is Christ? How do we get there? We said, here's some small steps. And then as we looked at Philippians chapter 2, we said, let's look to begin with, the example that Jesus gives us. So the small step we said in week number two was that we need to begin to develop this attitude that Jesus has. And we said this, I'm choosing the attitude of Christ first, which makes me last. Because Jesus came here to serve. He put everyone else ahead of himself, even though he was Jesus, he's God, and deserved to be worshipped and adored and loved and served. He said, no, I'm here to serve. And that's what we said. I'm choosing the attitude of Christ first, which makes me last. We said that's a small thing we can do that in your life will make a big difference. And then the next week we said that 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 everything that Paul does, everything that he did was to know Jesus more and more and more and more. Everything he did was to know Jesus more, to know him more completely, to know him more fully. And so we said, if you will develop some some habits in your life, take some actions, some very specific actions, and do them over and over and over again until they become a habit, then these habits, God is going to use these small things to transform your life, to make a big difference, a huge difference. And we said, don't try to do them all starting this week. This is kind of a lifelong process, but start with one. 
and begin making that a habit and then add another one and then add another one. And we said things like maybe learn how to begin prayer journaling. And we said, we have a system to help you learn how to do that. We said another habit you could learn would be personal Bible study. And we have a system to help you learn how you can read the Bible and study the Bible and apply that to your life. We, we said, learn how to take scripture from the Bible and put it into your mind and memorize it and how that will make a huge difference in your life. And we talked about giving and we talked about, uh, about serving the people around you. We talked about four or five habits, but we said, you can't try to do them all right now. It'll drive you nutso and, and you'll stop, you'll give up. But if you start with one of them, and begin doing that and make it happen. Here's what we said last week. This is what our bottom line. Make your actions follow through to habit. And the goal, you'll grab it. And that goal is to know Jesus more and more and more. So that was last week. And now one last time for this series, we're going to jump into the book of Philippians. And let's see what the Holy Spirit has to say to us today as he was writing this through Paul this, this chapter, this letter to the Philippians. So Paul is writing to a group of people who have formed into a church in this colony of Rome. Now, because these were believers in Jesus, Rome was not yet a Christian nation at this time, and they were persecuting these believers, the people who were following Jesus, because Rome claimed that Caesar was God. And here are all of these other people now in their colony, in this Roman colony, saying, nope, nope, it's not Caesar, it's Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus was there at creation. Jesus is God. And they were being persecuted because of that. And Paul is reminding these, these uh, Christians, he's saying, listen, guys, just because you're being persecuted that is no reason to stop doing these small things that he's listed for us in Philippians that will make a huge difference in your life. Don't stop doing the small things. And then he gives us kind of some encouragement here in chapter 4, and this is where we're going to land for today. Philippians 4, and we're going to be in verse 4. Paul says, Always... So he's giving them a charge, a command. He's saying, do this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. He says, I'm giving you something to think about. I, I want your mind to be full of joy. Even though you're being persecuted, even though you're being hurt, even though things are difficult, I want your mind to be full of joy. And that's a word for us, right? No matter what junk we're going through in this life at this moment right now Paul would say to you as he is right now I want your mind not to be full of that junk not junk thinking I want your mind to be full of joy joy in the Lord and then he says I say it again rejoice now that's not something to think about He's saying, now, that's something you do. I want you to think about joy, Paul says, and I want you to do something. He says, I want you to rejoice. Now, verse 5. He said, let everyone see 
that you are considerate in all you do. Even though you are in trouble, he says, even though you are in a bad place, you're being persecuted, he said, that's no reason to give up doing all these things I'm talking about. He says, I want you, even though you're being persecuted, even though you're in a tough time, he said, I want you, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Again, he's saying, here's something to do. I want you to rejoice. He's got, here's something I want you to think about. Think about joyful things. And then here's something to do. I want you to rejoice, even when things are tough. And then he said, here's another thing to do. He said, I want you to be considerate in everything that you're doing. Then he says, remember. So he's saying, here's again, something to think about. So I, he gave us something to think about. He gave us two things to do. And now he's giving us another thing to think about. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Now we jump all the way back to week number one, which what did we say week number one? Live that relationship, that friendship with Jesus in the future, that future relationship that you have with Jesus. Live that right now in the present, right now. And he says, remember, the Lord is coming soon. Guess what? He said that 2,000 years ago. And he says it again today. Live your life with the understanding that Jesus is coming back. You have a future with Jesus. Don't forget, Jesus is coming for you. If you're a believer, the Bible tells us Jesus one day is coming for you. Don't forget that. But in the meantime, while you're waiting, he is near you. Right now. Don't forget. So, here's where we go now to verse 6. Because of that, don't worry about anything. That's what he says. He says, because of that, just know, remember, Jesus is coming. Don't, so, don't worry about anything. And you know what he's really saying here? He's saying, so... I want you to control your thinking. That's a beast of a job, isn't it? He says, I want you, because you know Jesus, even though you're, you're struggling, things are going wrong, you're having problems, don't, 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 don't stop doing these little things. Do this. Think joy. Rejoice. Be considerate. Remember all these things. Now listen, don't worry. Control your thinking. Keep your thoughts under control. Now he's going to give us some extra help with this in a couple more verses when we hit verse 8. But he's saying don't fill your mind with worry. Don't fill your thoughts with dread and with fear and with rehearsing the worst case scenario in your mind over and over. If you're like me, that's what you do. You just, uh, you just take that worst case scenario and you beat it to death in your mind over. You just wear it out over and over and over again in your mind. He said, no, don't do that. He gives us an instead. He said, he tells us about prayer. Listen, he says, instead, pray about everything. He's saying, realize this, your worry will not change the outcome at all. Worry, he says, it's not going to change your tomorrow. It's just going to ruin your today. Don't 
worry. It won't change a thing. It only fills right now with fear and dread and anxiety. So then he gives us something to do instead. He says, I want you to use your voice. Don't let worry run around your mind. Fear, doubt, dread, anxiety. Don't give it control of your mind. Take control of it. And he says, here's what I want you to do instead. I want you to use your mouth to do something here. Use your voice to not speak to yourself. Because if you're talking to yourself, what's happening? You're running yourself down. You're you're running over that worst case scenario. He says, no, don't talk to yourself. He said, talk to God. Let's go back just a little bit. He says, instead, pray about everything. He says, tell, use that voice, tell God what you need. You know what he's saying here? Even though things are going wrong, and you're being persecuted, and tough things are happening, you need to trust that God, your God, has a plan. He has a plan in all of this. Your God is not going to abandon you and leave you to hurt alone. He's saying God is going to walk with you through this. He may not take this from you, but he for sure, he could take it from you, but he for sure will walk with you through it. So don't, ta- don't stop telling him things. Don't stop asking for things. Don't stop telling him things. He says, use your voice to change what is happening in your mind and in your thoughts by praying to God and telling him what you need. Change your thoughts now. He gives us another step in this process. Use your voice to change what's happening in your thoughts and in your mind. And now change your thoughts from worry via prayer and conversation with God. Now change your thoughts to thankfulness. Even, yes, even in the middle of being persecuted. He said, change your thoughts to thankfulness. And Paul says, and thank him for all that he has done. You see, sometimes we struggle when we are hurting or people are hurting around us. Sometimes we struggle to see what he has done. Because we've been living in fear and worry and anxiety. And those things, they... they, They capture our thoughts. And God is saying, you capture those thoughts and now force them in a new direction. Change those thoughts into a conversation with God. And let the result of that become a conversation about thankfulness. Yes, even when we're hurting. Turning those thoughts into a conversation with God about thankfulness. 
Just look around you. Sometimes it's difficult to be thankful. We have to just simply pause and look around us and see what what do I have to be thankful for? Maybe I've got some friends who actually carry around a list in their wallet or in their purse that they have prepared in advance because when they're in the moment, they have trouble remembering. They can't see to the thankfulness because they're so blinded by the worry and the hurt and the dread and the fear and the anxiety that they have a prepared list that they have already written down for such a moment so that they can look at it, a list of things to help change their thinking to thankfulness, things that they're thankful for. Sometimes in the moment of pain, it's hard It's hard to bring that to mind. The more you do it, maybe the easier it becomes. But maybe to start with, like my friends, maybe that's what you need to do is begin with a list that you just carry with you in your wallet, in your pocket, in your purse, just somewhere that when it does get tough and you begin to worry and dread and you have the anxiety that you can begin to capture those thoughts and move them in a new direction. And that list might might just help you do it. Paul is saying... If you're allowing yourself to live this day filled with anxiety and with fear, he's saying it's like you're living, it's like you're living as if you don't believe in God. When you live moment by moment in anxiety and fear and worry, he's saying you're living like you're not a Christ follower at all, like there is no God. That's how you're living. As if, even if there is a God, as if you can't trust Him. He said, that's how you're living if your life, if your moment, if your now is filled with fear and anxiety and worry. He's saying, you're living as if the present circumstances, is, it's all there is to life. What's happening right now. But Paul is saying, no, that's not for you. Because you're a believer, he said. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a Christ follower. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Then he said, and add to that a heart that's thankful towards God. In a world where everybody frets and worries about something, Paul is saying Christ followers began to learn to do something different. They submit this circumstance, this situation, this bad thing. They submit it to God in prayer, and then they do the remarkable. They thank Him. Weird. But it's a small thing that makes a big, big difference. When you do that, when you take your circumstance or your situation or your hurt and you submit it to God, here's what you're saying to God. God, I am dependent upon you. God, I can't get through this on my own. And you know what else you're saying to God? God, I may not understand this, but I trust you. 
You see, we've mentioned this. Paul can't imagine a Christ-following life that is not being daily transformed by God. We've talked about that. But do you know what else he can't imagine? Paul cannot imagine a Christ-following life that does not overflow with thanksgiving. No matter the circumstance, no matter the hurt, he can't imagine a Christ-following life that does not overflow, even though there is hurt and pain, overflow with thanksgiving towards God. To not be filled with thanksgiving is a step in the process of thinking that, well, if something good does happen in life, it's just, it's just karma. Because I've done some good things, so some good things should come. To not be thankful specifically to God is to live our lives as if, well... Some good happens and it's just kind of luck. Or do you know what else can happen? When something good does happen, we begin to attribute that good to something else, someone else other than God. And eventually, when we do that, we begin to trust that something or that someone more. We begin to pursue that something or that someone more than we pursue God. We then ultimately begin to worship that someone or that something. And Paul is saying ingratitude is really the first step towards worshiping someone or something else other than God. says, look at this small thing here that leads to a huge life reality. Pray about everything. And that helps keep you in an attitude of being dependent upon God your Father. And thanksgiving added to that keeps your mind filled with joy instead of worry. Now, if you do this, this small thing, something big is going to follow. And he says what it is in verse 7. Then, if you do this, he says, then you will experience God's peace. It's as if you say, be still my heart. Instead of the fast-paced heartbeat of worry and anxiety and fear, if you will do the things, these small things Paul is saying, he says, God's peace, God's peace, something you cannot produce, only God can produce, His peace will settle into your heart heart. It's as if you're saying, be still, my heart. It's that feeling you get when you inhale a deep breath. 
and you slowly exhale. That feeling of slowing down, that feeling of rest. Just inhale with me. What does that feel like? A deep inhale. And you exhale slowly. It's the closest thing I can think of. And that does not even really come close to the peace that God settles into your heart. As you spiritually inhale by trusting in God slowly, deeply. And it's as if your life is exhaling this trust. Peace. It's going to be okay. I'm not talking about literally inhaling and exhaling. I'm saying your life is like that if you will learn to depend upon Him, trust Him, pray about everything, and then with thanksgiving, guess what happens? You're inhaling that trust, and you're exhaling with your life and your lifestyle a peace that only God can give your heart. See, our natural response is fear. Our natural response is worry and anxiety and dread. All of those things completely void of peace. They're actually the opposite of peace. Worry gives us an emotional war inside of our minds. But if you will do these things that Paul's talking about, he says that's not going to happen. It's not going to be an emotional war inside of your life. Instead, he said his, Jesus, God's peace will guard, look at the verse, guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying no matter what happens, remain in him. No matter what's going on, remain in God. Remain in Jesus. Be thankful. Submit every situation to Him. Give it to Him. And then with a heart of thanksgiving, be thankful. And you can expect that His peace, the peace of God, will guard your heart. Now that is huge. That is big. You see, this is not a peace that we get when it is, oh good, God answered that prayer the way I want it to go. That's not what we're talking about here. Because it may not be answered the way you want it to go. He said, pray about it. Talk to me about it. He says, I have a plan. I'm not going to abandon you, no matter the hurt, no matter the pain. I won't abandon you. But this is a peace that comes because we're expressing trust in God. We're saying, God, I don't have it all figured out, but I trust you. I don't understand why I'm having to go through this, but I trust you. And that kind of trust produces a peace that guards your hearts and it guards your thoughts. And it will protect us from those very thoughts that are trying to destroy us and those very thoughts that are trying to distress us and keep us keep us trapped in a detrimental unhealthy way of thinking 
You see, this is huge. This small thing that leads to a huge difference. And it all has to do with us living in the moment, moment by moment by moment in Christ. You see, everything that makes our lives worth living today and everything that will make our lives worth living tomorrow has to do with being in Jesus Christ right now. See, God is going to come for you. If you're a Christ follower, God is going to come for you one day. He's going to come. Paul says that. Don't forget. He's coming. But in the meantime, His Spirit is near you right now. Paul is saying we, we need to replace this poisonous, bad thinking with better things. Therefore, here we go. Here's, I promised you in verse 8, he was going to give us some more help with this stuff. He says, and now, in verse 8, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. In other words, take control of your thoughts. Make a choice with your thoughts. Don't just let your thoughts run through your life and control your life. Take control of your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. And here he tells us what? On what is truth and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Now, I find this interesting that he does not then say what those things are. He leaves that up to you to go find those things and think about those things. Now, I want you to understand this. There are many things in this life that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Many, many things. And he's not saying you will only find those things in this Christian bubble, in this Christian culture, or this Christian life. You, he, he didn't say that. God has created this world. And inside this world, even though there are many, many, many things who are pursuing evil, he said, listen, he said, I still have good things in this world that I have created. They may not be under the label of your Christian culture and your ichthus and your little fish on the back of your car or, or, your, or any of these Christian little things that we wear or do or say. He said it may not be in there at all. But you find out of my creation what is good and admirable and honorable and right and pure and lovely and think on these things filter everything around you in your life filter that with the eyes and mind of jesus and those things that are true and honorable and right and pure lovely admirable think on those place those in your thoughts 
those in your mind. Then he ends that phrase with, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then he wraps up this teaching. Verse 9. Keep putting into practice. In other words, he says, listen, this is not just something that you agree with and you give a mental nod to and say, yep, you hit that one. Those are good points. I like those points. Paul said, no. Keep putting them into practice. Do something. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, he says. Everything you heard from me and everything you saw me doing. He says, now go and do these things. Do something. Don't walk the same way you came in. Don't leave unchanged, Paul says. Do something. Let me read that verse 9 again. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then, if you do this, he says, then the God of peace will be with you. Do this, he says. Do this and know that God is with you. He's not just coming for you one day, but he is with you right now. Do this and you will know that he is with you. Do this and know that God is with you. So here's our bottom line today. Based upon what Paul has told us in this chapter 4, we can summarize it with this phrase, rightly think, say, and do. Now go and know God is with you. In your life, right now, this moment, moment by moment, Rightly think, say, and do. Now go and know God is with you. Paul says, Let, take, take control of what you're thinking. Rightly think. Take control of it. Don't just let your thoughts dominate your life and control how you feel and where you go and what you do and what you think. Don't let it take control. Rightly think. Then he told us to pray. Talk to God. Rightly think. Say. Pray about everything. Talk to God. Tell him what you need. It's a way of us saying, God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. I don't know why I have to go through this junk, but I trust you. Rightly think, say, and do. He said, 
there's something here you need to do. Don't just leave here unchanged. Do something rightly. Think, say, and do. If we do that, then we know this. Now go and know. God is with you. His peace. He himself through his spirit is with you. His spirit is the only one that can give you that peace of God that you so desperately need when you're in the storm. Rightly think, say, and do. Now go and know that God is with you. We're asking you to end this series how we began. As a next step this week, this is what we're simply asking you to do this week. Starting today and through Saturday this week. Will you just read chapter 4? We went through most of it right now, but will you just, will you read chapter 4, but do it one or two paragraphs at a time? One or two paragraphs a day, that's it. Will you just read one or two paragraphs, and in that paragraph, will you pause after you read it and understand it? Pause and say, God, what from this paragraph or two, God, what do you want in me, or what do you want from me? This week, will you just join us in this one step? Because I believe this bottom line, rightly think, say, and do. Now go and know that God is with you. And in order to take a step in that direction, will you just read chapter four, one or two paragraphs at a time, pause Pause each day after you read one or two paragraphs and then say, God, from this, what do you want in me? Or what do you want from me? And then would you just write that down, whatever that is, whatever he wants. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's the beauty of this, how God is going to transform and change you. Will you just simply write it down? This is what God wants in me or from me today. And then, go do it. Will you join us in that? Will you join us in these small things that will make a huge difference in your life? Listen, don't take my word for it. <laughs> he, God himself, is near you and he will lead you. If you open his word and read a paragraph or two out of Philippians chapter 4 this week, every day, one or two paragraphs, don't take my word for it. Just do it and say, God, what do you want in me or what do you want from me? And just see what happens. And then write that down. Because I believe if we rightly think, say, and do, then go and know that God is with you. Then he ends it like this. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to worship together for just a moment. Paul says in verse 11, he says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. In other words, he said, I've struggled and I've hurt, but I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content as I trust God. Even if I don't understand what's happening, I've learned to be at peace, content as I trust God. He said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He said, I've had little, I've had a lot. He said, it doesn't matter, I still trust God. 
I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is full stomach or empty or plenty or little. Verse 13, a most famous verse. You'll, you'll recognize it. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me what? Strength. Verse 14, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. He's Paul's saying, listen, my life is not great right now. He's saying, you would not want my life right now. It's not good. But he said, I, I've learned to be at peace even in tough times. Because I can do everything through Christ. He's the one who gives me strength. My worry does not give me strength. My fear, my anxiety, none of that gives me strength. It comes from Christ alone. And he ends it like this. Look down to, I don't think I have it on the screen for you, but listen to what he says in chapter, in the same chapter, verse 20. Now he says, now all glory. In light of everything I've just said, he says, now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, your servant, your follower, Paul, has given us what sounds like a small thing, but God, this is really a big thing. But oh, does it lead to such a huge difference in our lives. The peace in the middle of hurt and pain, a peace that only you can give and only you can provide, the strength to get through something, something only you can provide us, God. And in the end, may we, as Paul was saying, may we too be able to say, because we chose to rightly think, to exchange that worry for a conversation with you, telling you everything we need, and thanking you. And then you giving us your peace. You... You being right there with us, and may we be able to end our day or our moment saying, Now, all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen.